welcome to Making Connections News. I'm your host, Mimi Pickering. November is National Diabetes Month, a time when healthcare providers and communities across the country team up to bring attention to diabetes and the ways it can be prevented or slowed down. One in seven Kentuckians have been diagnosed with diabetes, and it is estimated that one in three have elevated blood sugar levels that could lead to diabetes. Research has also found a link between diabetes and increased risk of severe COVID-19 infection. Although the pandemic has limited in-person gatherings, diabetes prevention programs have continued online. Whether in a program or not, health department staff stress the importance of regular exercise, healthy eating, following COVID-19 safety protocols such as mask wearing, and getting vaccinated. Prevent Diabetes EKY, a collaboration between Appleshop Community Media Initiative and the Kentucky Department for Public Health, share stories of East Kentucky folks who are making lifestyle changes to improve their health and the national diabetes prevention programs that are supporting their efforts. We are featuring a selection of stories on this program, but all of them are available on a new website, www.preventdiabetesekay.org. Stories can be listened to at any time, and you can search by county to find diabetes prevention programs in eastern Kentucky, as well as other resources. Here is Parker Hobson, Prevent Diabetes EKY producer, with stories from the past two years. Every other week, a small group comes together at the Breathitt County Extension Office in Jackson, Kentucky to learn and share and joke and tell stories and support each other in regards to their health. But they're not sick, and they don't necessarily have any symptoms of anything. They're trying to prevent type 2 diabetes. So when you all eat, what do you usually eat first? Whatever looks the best. Yeah. (laughs) I was thinking. I wonder. I save my favorite for last, so I probably eat more like the vegetables first. But sometimes that's bad because if I'm full... Then you don't get your favorite. You're or I'll eat it anyway. Just eat it anyway. That's what I was thinking. I would eat it anyway. I'm not about <laughs> The group is meeting through Juniper Health as a part of the Diabetes Prevention Program, a lifestyle change program developed by the National Centers for Disease Control. Juniper is just one of several clinics and health departments that offer the program across the region. And all of the groups are full of local people trying to stop diabetes before it starts. And you hear all the time people in the clinics talking about um, so-and-so lost a toe or their aunt or uncle lost part of their leg or, you know, we have a, a lady who's lost part of her arm. You know, it's just ridiculous when it's preventable. Bridget Turner of Juniper Health is one of the facilitators of the Diabetes Prevention Program, or DPP for short. A few years ago, she herself was diagnosed with diabetes. I was frustrated. There were so many opportunities along the way where I could have been given more information that I wasn't. It was really just disheartening to think, now I I have it. And I didn't have to have it. And that's probably why when Missy said, let's become educators, I said, okay. So especially if you live around here, you've probably heard of diabetes. But briefly, there are two kinds. Type 1 diabetes is genetic, so you have to be born with it. Type 2, though, happens over the course of your life, and very basically, it's when your body stops being able to get rid of glucose, or sugar, in your bloodstream. This can lead to serious problems. It can damage your eyesight and your kidneys. It can cause you to lose feeling in parts of your body and eventually even lose limbs. And it also carries a huge risk for cardiovascular disease, which in some cases can be life-threatening. But even if all this is familiar, there is another condition known as prediabetes that you might not know about. Basically, prediabetes means you don't have type 2 diabetes yet, but your blood sugar is high enough that you're officially in the danger zone for getting it. Prediabetes is often diagnosed through what's known as an A1C test, which takes an average of your blood sugar levels over the past three months. If your blood sugar is about 5.7 to 6.4, you are pre-diabetic. And if you don't do some things to make some health changes, 
the chances of you actually developing diabetes are pretty high. And once you get diabetes, once you get over the 6.4 mark, you have diabetes forever. It doesn't go away. It might be controlled, but according to what we understand from my medical knowledge, once you get it, you've gotten it. Part of what makes prediabetes so tricky is that you can have it without showing any symptoms. According to the CDC, about one out of three Americans already has prediabetes, whether we know it or not. Jonathan Piercy is a doctor from Hazard who works in the diabetes clinic at Perry County's North Fork Valley Community Health Center. It would probably be easier if, if high blood sugar hurt, um, if there were a whole lot of symptoms, but in order to have actual symptoms acutely of high blood sugar, then it's got to be very high, which is part of why it takes so long for somebody to get treated. Sadly, Eastern Kentucky has higher rates of diabetes than the rest of the state and the country. But even though it's common here, health workers say there are misconceptions about it. For one, they say people don't always realize that diabetes is preventable, even if it runs in your family. Rebecca Smith is another DPP educator at Juniper Health. I actually had somebody pretty well known in the community tell me, he said, um, got that diabetes, I knew it was coming, I just now it finally got me. <laughs> I was like, come and got him, huh? Come and got him, right off the couch. <laughs> I think it's just become commonplace for people. Grandpa had diabetes, Granny had it, my aunt sister had it, my aunt had it, and everybody just kind of is like, okay, I, I'm t I have diabetes now. Mary Beth Castle is the DPP educator at the Johnson County Health Department in Paintsville. She herself was diagnosed with prediabetes a few years ago. Is, okay, maybe I am going to end up with type 2 diabetes later on in life. I mean, it's, the possibilities for me are good, but I'm willing to take the chances to try to prolong all of that down the road as long as I can. And the DPP is set up to help people, especially people with prediabetes, prolong or even prevent diabetes entirely. It varies a little by county, but it's a year-long program. You meet in a small group once a week for 16 weeks, and then about once a month after that. Everyone gets an individual weight loss goal, and then you focus on strategies for getting there, like healthy recipes, keeping a log of what you eat, or tricks to get more exercise over the course of the day. Bridget says losing as little as 5 to 7% of your weight can go a long way in preventing diabetes. We know that increasing activity and making better food choices can help prevent diabetes. What we have found is people who come in gung-ho for the program and have a lot of weight loss up front tend to burn out because they go so hard and so fast, it's not something that they can sustain for a lifetime. We talk a lot about baby steps. If you drink a lot of sugary beverages, where's maybe one less beverage that you could drink? Can you get up on a TV commercial and walk to the bathroom and come back? We want you to start thinking about ways that you can be more active. And 5 to 7%, if you weigh 300 pounds, 5% of that's only 15 pounds, right? <laughs> so that's doable. Another misconception the DPP tackles is that it's only sweet foods that can lead to diabetes. Here's Dr. Piercy again. This is the point that a lot of people miss, is we're not just talking about things that are sweet. We're talking about breads, talking about potatoes, talking about starchy things. That's probably where more people get in trouble. Uh, it's the same, uh, same molecules, the same glucose that gets formed uh, when those break down. You know, and, and just understanding reading the label, and if you're eating a low-fat yogurt and you think you're doing great, um, but then you compare low-fat yogurt with a light yogurt and realize the low-fat yogurt has twice the carbs in it, as the light does, then you realize, oh my goodness, I thought I was doing good. Well, you were doing good. You just didn't have all the information. So here's a little bit more information. Once you realize how much turns into glucose, whether it's ice cream or bread or potatoes, it can be overwhelming. But it doesn't mean you have to stop eating everything you like. Here's Mary Beth again. I don't tell them they can't eat this or they can't eat that. I tell them they can have what they want to eat. They need to do it in moderation, and they need to look at portion sizes. We live in an area where our grannies and our mamas want our plates to be full of food, and they want us to eat everything on there. 
trying to get them to get back to that instead of three spoonfuls start with two of green beans instead of three of the green beans even though that's probably a better thing that you can eat because if they just cut back on portions alone that's going to make a difference i don't expect them to come in here and have 10 pounds lost you know in a week or maybe not even 10 pounds in a month if they're moving the scale in the downward direction that's what we want them to do and i want them to feel good about it kathy on the other hand did have a vlog for me. She's good. So, she's so good. She gets bonus points for that the day. Look at that one cup of water. I'm trapped, <laughs> Well, I was probably in denial, but my parents and my family have it. And life had happened to me. I lost both parents within seven months. I was a caretaker, so I didn't get out a lot. LaDonna Arms is from Paintsville and has been a member of the DPP group at the Johnson County Health Department. Mary Beth has been her group leader. I guess it was just dealing with everything with my parents, and then when I lost them, I'm thinking, you know what, I'm not getting any younger. It is really time for me to get it in gear, you know, get it under control. I started making gradual changes. Started walking a lot. Like Saturday, I walked over seven miles. And I may want a candy bar, but then I may look at that calorie and that sugar content, and I'll think, I don't need that. So I may take a piece of fruit, and I was a big pop person. It's unbelievable amounts of sugar. Tried the sugar-free cherry Kool-Aid, you know, drink a lot more water, just make better choices. Mm -hmm. And I feel a lot better. You care to share how much weight you have lost? As of today, 23 pounds. This has been life-changing for me. Aww. And I couldn't have handpicked any better group. Had I thought about being diabetic? No, not really. I didn't have it in my family, I didn't have any symptoms, but I also know that I don't want any. Doris Newton lives in Jackson, Kentucky. She recently went through the Juniper DPP program in Breathitt County. I think accountability, that's probably the biggest thing that got me where I wanted to be. And because we did it together and the other class members and we were always very verbal about, did you lose any? Oh, if you didn't, it'd be all right next week. And uh, I was pretty successful. I think I did lose the most in that class, 23 pounds. It was nice to not have to suck it up to zip your pants. <laughs> Masha Ott lives in the community of Wolverine. She was in the same class as Doris. But I just followed exactly their protocol. And it really, really works in terms of knocking the pounds off. I think it was 17 if I count right. Diabetes is something you can turn around. Nip it in the bud, you can change it. And a program like this can help you make those changes. None of this is to say the DPP is easy, though. For one, changing habits is always hard. But healthier food can take more time to prepare and is often more expensive, which can be tough if you're on a budget. And in many parts of the region, places to buy groceries at all can be few and far between. Many local communities also just don't have very many practical or affordable places to exercise. The participants I spoke with, though, said these challenges were real, but the key for them was doing it together. The weekly meeting is wonders. And just getting to hear what everybody else is doing. You know, if they've had a rough week, if they've had a great week, you know, just that moral support. We have talked a lot about pop. That's the biggest thing. Um, how's it going, Kathy, for you with drinking pop? I'm not drinking her. Are you drinking her? <laughs> but are you oh, it's okay. Are you enjoying it? There you go. But you're targeting other areas. Yes. I have not met anybody who wants to make choices to lead them to diabetes on purpose. You know, and even myself, am I as healthy as I need to, as I need to be? No, but I don't drink pop anymore. You know, and and my A1C is in a good place. I will not do things that are going to contribute to me not being able to see my grandchildren. My father-in-law lost his vision, and my last baby he didn't get to see. That was preventable. My brother-in-law died from diabetic complications. That was preventable. It doesn't have to happen. And I'm looking for a life change. I'm, I don't want this just to be for three or four more months right. and then stop. I want it to be for a lifetime. I'm Patsy Adams. 
and uh, actually I was born and raised right outside of Whitesburg, Elm County. Everybody knows around in the area I'm a diabetic and they know the road, how hard it's been for me. knew that it's a possibility because, you know, my mother, that's how she died from being a diabetic, ended up taking a toe off, a foot off, and then a leg off, and she died after that. And then my grandmother on my daddy's side was a diabetic, and what I remember staying with her every summer I'd get to go stay with her, I loved it, and the store across the road, she'd get me to go buy her a diet right and I'd never heard of a Diet Right. That was the first Diet Cola that came out. And uh, she did, I remember there was things, she wouldn't eat everything that we ate. So I knew as a possibility I'd become diabetic. Kind of watched it, kind of didn't, you know. And in the last month before they diagnosed me as a diabetic, I was actually sitting here at work, and it got to where... I couldn't tell who was at the front desk until I heard him speak. I couldn't see him well enough to know that. Being diabetic is very, very hard on eyesight. And thirsty, oh my gosh, I drank all the time. And I'd always heard that too, so these are symptoms I'd always heard of. Well, I ended up, it came to a weekend and Went to the movies with my children come and got me, and I'd went to movies with them. And when I got in there, I said to my daughter, I can't read the concession board up there. I said, I can't see that good enough. So she read my, what you could get. And after the movie, we came home, and I went in the house and laid down. And for some reason, they came back to get something, and I was almost in a coma. So my daughter, my granddaughter actually carried me out to the car and they took me to the hospital and uh, my sugar was so high it wouldn't read on the meter that they had. And my doctor was totally amazed because I'd been to see him a couple weeks earlier and he said it hadn't shown any sign of being diabetic at that time. But they did say that if they hadn't brought me on that day, I could have went into a full-blown coma. Mine, I'm called a brittle diabetic. When I was in the hospital, they said, I've never seen nothing like you. She said, your sugar will drop real low, and I'll give you a little something to make it come up and it'll go sky high. She said, I don't know how you control it. I said, I don't. I work with it 24-7. For a diabetic day, for me, I get up, check blood sugar. If it's high or low, that's how I determine my insulin. If I need insulin before I eat, if it's high, I go ahead and do that. Not, I eat, then check it again, do another test. It's continual watching. Do the same thing at lunch, do the same thing at dinner, take a shot before you go to bed. And I can't buy anything off a shelf that I don't read all the ingredients on it. You have to read everything. Because, I say, oh, it'll say sugar-free. Then it'll say 30 carbohydrates. Okay, I better not get that. So much food turns to carbohydrates. Carbohydrates turns to sugar. It destroys your whole body. Being a diabetic eats all your organs up. And I've went into what's called diabetic keoacidosis, I think that's pronounced, twice. It's your blood sugar has got so high that it has to get out of your body. And the only way it can get out is through, and I, it's not pretty to talk about, but you won't even know you're going to have to throw up, and it'll just, you'll just throw up and throw up. And both times they've told me a few more hours, and you probably wouldn't have been with us. Now I can tell you another story about insulin. It is outrageous. And that's one of the reasons one time I went into that diabetic keoacidosis was because I couldn't afford to get my 
insulin when I ran out. It was like $147, and I just didn't have $147 extra to give them for that insulin. So I thought, well, I get paid in a few days, I'll get it. Well, by then I was already in the hospital. So once you are actually on insulin, you have to have the insulin or your body will shut down. Sometimes I get so disgusted with it that it seems like no matter what I do, I can't get it to do what I, it's supposed to do. But like right now, I'm feeling better. I do more walking than I used to do, try to eat right, and I was having anxiety attacks. I'm not doing that anymore. And where I live over in now that holler, me and Jackson was walking this morning, my grandson, and I said, Wow, it's a cardio because you go up one hill and down the other. So, but yeah, I can do more stuff and I feel better about it. So it does, it makes a difference with anybody. And we say, well, in the olden days, my family they ate fat back and ever meat and all that unhealthy food, but they also worked from daylight to dark. People's lifestyles get so busy that it's easier to run through a fast food place and grab something as to go home and cook. But it's certainly not better for you. My dad's mother, she was a pretty bad diabetic, but she was lucky enough not to lose limbs. And that's my biggest fear too, my eyesight and my limbs. I, I think of that often. So for people, it's very, very important. Even maybe if you don't even have the symptoms, ask your doctor sometimes, say, I'd like to check and see where my level is. And they do a very simple blood test called A1C. And that's the only way you can really know for sure. There are symptoms once you are a diabetic, but it may not happen until you really are. If you get checked and they can tell you're already a pre-diabetic, start now exercising, watching what you eat. Let's catch this before because once I got the symptoms of my eyes bad and me drinking and stuff all the time, I was already a diabetic. Like I said, I knew there was a possibility, but I didn't realize how simple it was to find out. I guess I'm bad because people say, you know, I drink all the time. I'm so thirsty. I say, have you had J1C checked? I'm real bad to do that. Go get it checked. You may be a pre-diabetic. You may be a diabetic. It's no fun. I wouldn't wish it on my worst enemy. Go get it checked. It ain't gonna hurt. You've been hearing from Patsy Adams from Letcher County. If you do get your A1C checked and it turns out you do have pre-diabetes, there is still time to make changes that can slow or even prevent type 2 diabetes. One option for doing that is a lifestyle change program designed by the federal CDC called the Diabetes Prevention Program. It's offered in small groups across the region. Debbie, are you in the walking program? Yes. Look at this. <laughs> I got me some green onions, some tires for my pork rolls, and some cabbage, cooked cabbage. I wanted some green beans for dinner more, but they didn't have On a blazing hot Saturday morning this past summer, Valerie Horn was set up under a tent at the Letcher County Farmers Market in Whitesburg, Kentucky. She was checking in members of the Tanglewood to Table walking program. Her friend Debbie Owens was one of them. Eat different vegetables now. I'm trying different stuff. Like fresh mustard greens and stuff. I never did eat it until now. That was really good. It's a lot better than I can. <laughs> I've got more energy than like that. I, yeah, walk. It might be with the vegetables and walking too. If you're trying to prevent type 2 diabetes, health workers say that in many cases, the best medicine could be just what Debbie said vegetables and walking. Given the high rates of prediabetes and type 2 diabetes in eastern Kentucky, WMMT set out to learn more about Whitesburg's Tanglewood to Table program and to see if it could perhaps be a model for other local communities as a way of getting people moving more, eating healthier, and maybe even lowering their blood sugar. 
I'm pretty fascinated and amazed some days to just sit back and see what is happening. Valerie Horn is from here in Letcher County, and she serves as the co-chair for the farmer's market. The market happens downtown, right next to the public Tanglewood walking trail. And back in 2016, Valerie had the idea to try to get more people to the market and get them exercising at the same time. We began the walking program three years ago. The first go around was pretty simple, and we just said, if you walk to the market on this Tanglewood Trail, about a one-mile trail that comes into here, then you would have $10 to spend at the market. The basic idea is still the same. You sign up at the beginning of the market season, and if you walk one mile every week, you get $10 to spend on fruits and vegetables that week at the market, which happens twice a week from June to August, and then once a week through October. The walking program is grant-funded, Marshall University funded year one, and now it's supported by the University of Kentucky. So there is a cap on how many people can sign up, but Valerie says those who do tend to get pretty committed. This week we have 63 participants who are signed up for the program. 55 have shown up, and I can look at the names who are missing and think, oh yeah, I saw they're on vacation. Oh yeah, I know this one's been sick. So I think it speaks well when 55 of 63 people, they're, they're showing up to walk for a $10 incentive. Eastern Kentucky is just typically known for the health disparities, the rates of diabetes, obesity, cancer. Don Brewer is a researcher at the University of Kentucky. She and Valerie are co-investigators into the walking program's impact on community health. Her idea, it hits on just these two huge public health challenges, which is, as Americans, we tend to consume few fruits and vegetables and we're physically inactive. So she had this program idea that is hitting both of those that have such huge benefits to health and so many of these chronic diseases that affect Eastern Kentucky. So you've probably heard of diabetes, but also among those diseases that affect Eastern Kentucky is prediabetes, which basically means your blood sugar levels are high enough that you're officially in the danger zone for type 2. What's tricky about prediabetes is that the symptoms are often hidden. In fact, the federal CDC says one out of three Americans has prediabetes right now, whether we know it or not. But health workers say that even if you do have prediabetes, it is still possible to make changes that can slow or even prevent type 2, even if it runs in your family. And the walking program sits right in the middle of those changes. Genetically, you might be predisposed to it, but that does not mean you're going to get um, develop diabetes. Um, there are so many things that you can do, you know, a healthy diet, healthy weight, physical activity, um, so then you don't develop diabetes. The two biggest things really are diet and the exercise. This is Christy Green, public health director at the Cumberland Valley District Health Department in Clay County, Kentucky. She also works with Clay County's Diabetes Prevention Program, a lifestyle change program where people meet in small groups over the course of a year to work to prevent type 2. Christy says that yes, diabetes is preventable with healthier lifestyle choices. But in order to make those healthy choices, you have to have them available to you, which, she says, isn't always the case in eastern Kentucky. I would say there's still more work that needs to be done in many communities in our, our region looking at how how walkable our communities are, what types of facilities we have, and our access to fresh foods. In some areas, um, we have very few grocery options and, and um, dollar stores and those kinds of things, which do have groceries, but are frequently the kind of processed, calorie-dense foods. So that's one of the biggest challenges for individuals who want to make a lifestyle change is um, if there aren't facilities available for them to exercise or if there's not easy access to fresh food, then what? And where we live, we, economically, we don't have a lot of job opportunities for people either. Mary Beth Castle is also a facilitator with the Diabetes Prevention Program. She at the Johnson County Health Department. And you ask people who may be pre-diabetic that's living on minimum wage that they need to eat more fruits and vegetables and those kind of things, and they start looking at the cost of those versus 
you know, a bag of chips that's a lot less, they have to eat. They're going to buy what they can afford to eat. So the walking program tries to make healthy food more accessible and more affordable. But exercise is the other side of the coin in preventing diabetes, and it can also be hard in the region. For one, as Christy mentioned, many local communities don't have accessible or affordable places to exercise. But also, for a lot of us, exercise is just plain hard, especially if you're going it alone. Here again are Valerie and Dawn. We offer a time that you can meet as a group and walk together, but we also make room for people who want to walk as a family or they, they gather and they meet with their friends. And then it doesn't seem like, I'm going to the gym. You know, it's like, that's hard. Um, but instead, it's, yeah, we're getting together on a Saturday or a Thursday evening. It's not necessarily just a walk. The social aspect is so key to it, and, and it provides that support system. And that is exactly what we want to do and foster is that change in, in, in mindset and that culture. So is it working? When it comes to type 2 diabetes, Valerie and Don say they've seen several improvements that are associated with the disease. In 2017, participants on average increased HDL, or good cholesterol, decreased LDL, or bad cholesterol, and decreased A1C levels, which is a measure of blood sugar in the body that goes hand in hand with diabetes. In 2018, there wasn't the same average A1C decrease, but average waist circumference and body mass did decrease and many individuals did still lower their personal A1C levels that year. They also found that participants were eating exponentially more fruits and vegetables by the end of the program. But also, apart from the hard data, and maybe most importantly when it comes to long-term behavior change, people just seem to enjoy it. I make sure I sign up every year, I don't want to miss it. Bob Smith is a teacher from Whitesburg and he was one of several walkers we met on the day we visited the market. He says he was diagnosed with type 2 diabetes about 20 years ago. I'm 61 and I, I'm in better shape in my 60s than I was in my 50s. And a lot of that is because of this program. My blood sugar level went from a 9 point something down to a 6.1. So almost like not diabetic. But I mean that's with my medication and the walking and trying to watch what I eat. But you know, you have to jot down your mileage and stuff each day that you walk and stuff with this program, so it kind of makes you feel accountable. And like I walk these stairs up here by the old high school and the hills and things, I like to do that instead of just level ground. I think I could walk all day. I know I probably couldn't, but I feel like I could. Well, you've got two choices. You either exercise or you take a shot. I'd rather have exercises than a shot. Lauren Sturgill is also from Letcher County and he helps organize the walkers every week. He also participates himself, and he says he had no idea he needed to worry about diabetes until getting an A1C, or blood sugar test, a few years ago. My A1C was seven, was over seven, when I started the program the first year, and at the end of the program it was 5.3. And then I also lost about 25 pounds in it also. I feel like a new person. And, you know, you, you don't think you're exercising because you're talking as you go. Because, man, if I focus on the exercise, I'll not make it halfway down the track. But if my mouths are running, I can walk to the end of the county. What are you eating, Cole? Blueberries. What, what's your favorite thing at the farmer's market? Blueberries. I'm Hillary Beck, and I'm from Macon, Kentucky. We wanted to do the walking program because of Papa, because he's getting older in age, and it's actually helped him a lot. He's been cutting his own grass since we started um, walking, so he's getting his exercise in. And we've actually lost a couple pounds, and that doesn't hurt, does it? <laughs> and the kids love it. They want to walk every morning, and they definitely look forward to Saturdays to come to the farmer's market. <laughs> Let's go eat our blueberries and see what else we got. My name's Kayla Morton, and I'm from Whitesburg, Kentucky. It's very expensive to eat healthy. So I would do it when I could, but sometimes it was just cheaper and easier just to eat whatever. And this has definitely made it a lot easier for us to eat healthier and, you know, provide better foods for the kids. I feel like it's improved my health quite a bit, and it makes me more motivated to do it outside of the walking program as well. 
So it should be said that the walking program isn't the only special thing that draws people to the Letcher County Farmer's Market. There's also the pharmacy program, and that's pharmacy with an F, where doctors can basically prescribe free farmer's market vouchers for people with a range of health issues, including diabetes. There's also a community kitchen that feeds people year-round, a summer feeding program for local youth, and a series of free concerts on market Thursdays over the summer, among other happenings. So is Whitesburg a special case? Or would the walking program be worth trying in other places too? Here again are Don, Christy, and Valerie. Truly, what you need is people that are interested. It's a pretty simple model to implement. And where you're only given $10 and you can see some positive health markers, you can see behavior change. That's, that's a little bit of money that goes a long way. Especially you get rewarded for walking a mile. That's awesome. If we can move that needle um, around social norms or around ease of access, uh, then we really improve a lot of people's health overall. I have grandchildren that are six and two years old, and I want them to have a community to grow up in that they that they see health as a priority and taking care of themselves as a priority. And I want them to have choices for, for better work options. And I know, I believe, that food and health is a core, is at the base of that. So I feel, I feel right now encouraged. I feel that we are, that we are shifted. And if we can make a difference in our community, then these programs and these opportunities can be replicated in other communities across uh, eastern Kentucky, Appalachia. I'll be, I'll be very, very pleased and very excited. For more on the Tanglewood to Table walking program, you can head to LetYourCountyFarmersMarket.com or you can find the market on Facebook. You can also call Valerie Horn at 606 634 9468. Another local option for trying to prevent type 2 diabetes is the Diabetes Prevention Program, a lifestyle change program developed by the CDC that's currently being offered at the Kentucky River District Health Department, Juniper Health, the Clover Fork Clinic, the Johnson County and Clay County Health Departments, and online. The pandemic has, of course, changed life in massive ways for so many of us. Some losing jobs, others working from home, schools and businesses closed or using drastically different procedures. But it's also had smaller, more everyday effects. Actually, I had gained five pounds. I was about to die, but I got those five off, so all is good. <laughs> this is Mary Beth Castle of Johnson County, Kentucky. Mary Beth is a lifestyle coach for people trying to prevent type 2 diabetes. And a big part of her job involves working with people's eating habits and trying to help with weight loss. So the pandemic has hit home, literally. You know, Corona's got us all in our homes, and I think that we're eating more and not getting as much activity as if we were, you know, going about our normal day. Mary Beth leads the Johnson County Health Department's version of the National Diabetes Prevention Program, or DPP for short. The DPP is a lifestyle change program with the ultimate goal of helping people prevent type 2 diabetes. Even before coronavirus, type 2 was already a national epidemic, according to the CDC. And Eastern Kentucky has rates of type 2 that are higher than the state and national average. This is an area where diabetes is very prevalent, and unfortunately, that it typically runs in families, and so a lot of people just have taken that for granted, that that's just something that's going to happen to them. But there are things that we can do to maybe prevent it or maybe prolong it. Unchecked, type 2 diabetes can lead to serious health problems, including damaged eyesight and kidneys the loss of feeling in parts of the body, and even the loss of limbs. And it also carries a large risk for cardiovascular disease, among other issues. So avoiding type 2 has huge benefits on its own. But Mary Beth says there's a connection with the coronavirus, too. 
we do know that un there are underlying health conditions that can cause uh, greater concern if you are positive for coronavirus. And of course, diabetes is listed, heart disease, of course, high blood pressure, uh, asthma, COPD, all of those underlying issues can cause lots of other health issues added to having the coronavirus as well. So if you can prevent type 2 diabetes, you're also reducing your potential risk of more serious symptoms from COVID-19 if you were to happen to get it. It's one of those things that you've got to take a hold of it. You can't let it decide what it's going to do for you. Marilyn Morgan lives in Johnson County, and she's currently a participant in Mary Beth's DPP group. We've been at some of the local groceries that would hand out samples, and we would ask the lady handing them out, does this have a lot of sugar in it? And then when we told her, no, we can't have it because of the sugars, she goes, I've got it too, but she throws up her hands and says, the Lord will provide and take care of me. Sometimes he needs a little help. Marilyn has prediabetes. A condition which, basically, means your blood sugar is high enough that you're at real risk of getting type 2 diabetes soon, unless you can make some lifestyle changes. When she was first diagnosed with prediabetes, Marilyn knew about type 2 because her husband George had been dealing with it for years. But she said she herself wasn't showing any symptoms, apart from just fatigue. Uh, I was a little bit in shock. You know, it's always fine in general when you're talking about somebody else, but when it, then it comes about you, it's a whole different ball game. It can be earth shattering, but I was diagnosed in 2008 and I've kept it under control ever since. And keeping prediabetes from becoming type two is exactly what the DPP is about. In her DPP classes, Mary Beth says there are two big things anybody can do to help their diabetes risk, changing what you eat and how much you move your body. This does mean some weight loss, but Mary Beth says losing just five to 7% of your weight can make a huge difference in preventing type two. And so in the DPP, everyone gets their own weight loss goal. And then classes focus on things like healthy recipes, counting fat grams and calories, eating smaller portions, and finding ways to get exercise in. Normally, a group meets in person over the course of a year, first weekly and then monthly. But, well, here's Mary Beth again. That's all went great for a while, and then Corona reared its ugly head, and we had to make some changes because we could not bring people together, you know, face-to-face, -face, in person. Everyone in Mary Beth's group had access to a device that could use Zoom, the video conferencing program, so they started having their meetings virtually. And while they've been adjusting to the technology, changing habits is something that can always be tricky, especially around food. And the pandemic has added some extra wrinkles on top. It concerns me, um, not that they're eating at home, which is a good thing, but maybe they're not eating as well and people are snacking more. And one of the things that they suggest through our program is not to keep snack foods out on your kitchen counter and to put them in a cabinet. And so I finally had to do that. I finally had to put all of the snack goodies in that cabinet. So if I get something out, then I'm making a conscious decision to go in there and get out whatever it is that I think I want. If you're going to keep something on your counter, let's go with fresh fruits so that if you go in there and you think, oh, I want that cookie, I'll eat a banana instead. And especially if you're spending more time at home these days, it can also be easy to just feel a little more lethargic and to be moving around less. If you're sitting and you find yourself watching TV a lot, and I think a lot of elderly people have been watching a lot of news, which is not a good thing because it's so depressing, uh, that when commercials come on, get up, you know, walk through the house, walk down the hallway, walk circles around in your living room. Do not sit in that chair all the time. For Marilyn, the pandemic hasn't been all bad for her DPP goals, especially around food. I've been eating at home a lot more. And so that way I can control the, sugar, the amount of sugar that's in the food and the sodium that's in the food. If I'm making a pizza, I'll make my own pizza crust so 
I can control the sugar in that. I've even gone as far as taking some of my mom's old recipes and converting those over to sugar-free. If you have your choice of either eating healthy like this or just eating like you normally would and you lose your sight or some fingers and toes, it might be too late then. For Marilyn, the exercise side of the coin has been a little tricky though. For the past year or so, she had been working out with a professional trainer, but that stopped with the pandemic. Well, since COVID set in, it's harder to do the get out and exercise, especially in this heat. But I go over to the local community college and walk around their track. And the rest of the time, it's just maybe running the vacuum or mopping the floors or just getting up and moving within the house. Just knowing you're going to have to turn into Mary Beth, how many minutes did you exercise and what your weight is, you try to stay on track to be motivated to get that accomplished. Marilyn says switching to Zoom has been a bit of an adjustment, too. In some ways, like seeing the group all together in person makes, you know, you have camaraderie there that you support each other but even though we do it on zoom now because of covid we still can talk and see each other and still have that camaraderie to it when somebody doesn't make it to the meeting they're like where is so and so i mean we kind of keep each other accountable but we also have become friends and we're concerned about one another and we are all smiles when we get on zoom we can't hug each other but we get to see each other and when somebody hits a goal or something like that everybody gives them a round of applause that makes you feel so much better and so the DPP is now part of how, for 12 years now, Marilyn has kept her prediabetes from becoming type 2. In total, over the past year, including her time with a trainer and then starting DPP. So far, I've lost about 25 pounds. And I've met my first goal, which was lose 7% of my weight. Now I'm on my second 7. So as long as you stay on top of it and keep a positive mind, then you can do anything. The, the young lady that's, I call her young because she's younger than me, that's 51. She was the secretary at the uh, Kentucky Farm Bureau office and I went in one day and she saw and she said, Connie, what have you done? You've lost so much weight. And I said, well, I'm doing a diabetes prevention program through the health department. Connie Godsey Duval lives in Cumberland County, Kentucky, in the Appalachian foothills along the Tennessee line. She's also a DPP participant. She started the program last summer and says she lost about 25 pounds, and that's weight she's been able to keep off. Type 2 runs in her family, and she says preventing it also has a special urgency right now. And, um, I even went back to the radio station. Uh, uh, they have a talk around town program. And I actually shared this DPP, the basics of it. And I said, you can do this at home. Start counting your calories and your pet grams. Start moving. The governor was saying, stay healthy at home. But I, my thing was, get healthy, uh, especially in the middle of this pandemic. If you were to actually contract it when it affects your lungs and you're already struggling with you know, with the extra weight, just like me carrying that extra 25 pounds. That was harder to me to breathe. So definitely, I think getting healthy right now is, is even more important. Make those choices. And for the moment, with so many people in Eastern Kentucky having the sort of underlying health issues like diabetes that could make COVID-19 even worse, Mary Beth says she's committed to keeping herself and her neighbors safe. I do uh, advocate the wearing of the mask. I know that's a very controversial issue, uh, but I have elderly parents. And so 30, 40 minutes when I'm in the store of wearing the mask is not that difficult of a task for me to do if it's going to keep someone else 
healthy. I could be asymptomatic. I don't know that. And I think that's important because there are people that already have underlying health conditions. This is going to keep them safe, I hope. You know, it's not just about me. It's about everybody else out there around me. As a volunteer firefighter for Jeannie Wheeler of Johnson County, her job was stressful enough already before the pandemic hit. It's not always a fire that we respond to, but accidents, medical emergencies, all those kinds of things. So, you know, you may be up close and personal uh, in a lot of situations. So it's been a little difficult here in the last year or so. Jeannie is also a retired nurse. And being in regular close contact with strangers as a firefighter, she says it's been hard sometimes not to think about the coronavirus. Yeah, it's always in the back of my mind. It's like, you know, I have medical issues myself. I have elderly parents who have medical issues. Uh, I have grandchildren that are around me occasionally. So it, it worries me that, you know, I might expose myself to something that I don't want for sure, and I sure don't want to take into anybody else. And while a lot of us have been nervous about getting the virus, for Jeannie, the stakes are a little different. She has type 2 diabetes. And while she says she keeps healthy and manages her blood sugar well, health professionals say that type 2 is one of several conditions, like COPD or black lung disease or heart disease, that could make the symptoms of COVID-19 worse if you were to happen to get it. So when she became eligible for a vaccine, Jeannie says she didn't hesitate. Well, uh, given my current medical state, I had to make a decision on whether do you take a chance on getting it because you know with your diabetes that, you know, in all likelihood, if it's a bad case, you're not going to make it through. Or do you go ahead and take a chance on taking the vaccine? And I had no, no issues with, with deciding that the vaccine was the way to go. And for me, you know, I was, I was always for vaccinations for my children. And my daughter's a frontline worker. Uh, she had her vaccines. My parents have had theirs. And they're like 85 and 89 years old. And uh, they did exceptionally well. They had no side effects whatsoever from either dose. You know, this is, it's not a local thing. It's a major worldwide issue. And... You know, all the other countries are in the same position that we are. So we just have to take a chance. We do know that people with diabetes are more likely to have more serious complications from COVID-19. Denisa Watts is a registered nurse and a licensed diabetes educator with the Kentucky River District Health Department in Knott County. So we really encourage people, you know, with diabetes to talk to their physicians and to, you know, consider having that COVID vaccine. And also, we know that the risk of getting sick from COVID-19 is it's likely to be lower if their diabetes is well managed. So we know right now it is a very stressful time and Lots of times when we're stressed, we we kind of get lax in doing some of those important things, you know, our healthy eating, our physical activity. But it's more important now than ever to try to keep, you know, those blood sugars in control and try to keep their diabetes well managed. Denisa says she got her vaccine literally as soon as she could. Absolutely. The first day it was available for me, (laughs) and I'll never forget, it was an emotional day too, you know, because just thinking what, you know, the changes in our lives over that past year, um, and to think about, you know, this vaccine, how wonderful it was, you know, that step in getting back to some normalcy in our lives. While Denisa knows some people might have questions about the vaccine, she says people should know that their doctors and nurses and health professionals are getting vaccinated themselves. Denisa herself 
has even been helping to give out COVID vaccines on top of her diabetes work. In the local health departments, we had long waiting lists when the vaccine came out, folks wanting, you know, to get their name down. I think most healthcare providers really feel strongly that the advantage of taking the vaccine greatly outweighs, you know, the possible risk from the vaccine, which, you know, there are other folks who have more side effects, but from what I'm seeing as a provider, the majority of the time it's just, you know, a little sore arm. And most of those side effects we we do see have been going away, you know, in 24, 36 hours. It, it, it doesn't last long in general. With my vaccine, the first one, my arm was a little sore. Here again is Jeannie Wheeler of Johnson County. Uh, the day afterward, I was a little sluggish, you know, but nothing really drastic at all. And with the second one, my arm got pretty sore that time. The next day, I just wanted to kind of lay around the house and didn't really feel like eating much that day or anything. But, I mean, there was no side effects that weren't really any major issues. Speaking of side effects, you might have heard that the FDA recently lifted a temporary pause on the one-dose Johnson & Johnson vaccine. According to the FDA, the pause was because of a rare but serious blood clotting issue in the days following the shot. This side effect has been incredibly rare, though. So far, it's affected just about two out of every one million people who have gotten the Johnson & Johnson shot. And health experts say the pause was a sign the system is working like it should to help medical providers best look out for people who might end up with these rare side effects. Here in Kentucky, the vast majority of vaccines given out have been from Pfizer or Moderna, and there have been no reports of a similar issue with them. For her part, Denisa says she believes in the public health systems that test and regulate our vaccines. I've been a public health nurse for 33 years. I've always been an advocate of all of our vaccines. I spent many years vaccinating babies, young children, with some of the Tdap vaccines, the measles, mumps, rubella, chickenpox. So we just really encourage people, uh, those not only with diabetes, but anyone, to look at those possible risks if they actually did contract the COVID-19 virus and kind of, you know, weigh the risk with the vaccine. It's not something that has been looked at lightly and it's been tested, uh, trials. So, you know, we feel that it is a safe vaccine. You know, with the fire department, we have a lot of EMTs and we have career firefighters as well as the volunteers and stuff. And they have all uh, been more than willing to take the vaccine and protect themselves, you know. So, I mean, it's not like anybody is forcing you to do that, but it's just a personal decision that you have to make yourself. Uh, I'm a, a very devout Christian, and I just, you know, the Lord has got it in his hands, and whichever way it works out, you know, is, is the way it's going to be. But I, I see no reason to take chances that you don't have to take. So, therefore, the vaccine was, that was my choice. All Kentuckians aged 16 and up are now eligible for a COVID vaccine. For more about the vaccine or how to find it near you, talk to your doctor, call your county health department, or visit vaccine.ky.gov. Reporting for WMMT, I'm Parker Hobson. You've been listening to stories that focus on the efforts of Eastern Kentuckians to slow or prevent diabetes and the health and wellness programs that are helping them to do so. To listen to more Prevent Diabetes EKY stories, visit the website www 
preventdiabetesekyorg Once there, you can take a quiz to see if you are in danger of becoming diabetic and search by county to find diabetes prevention programs in Eastern Kentucky. I'm your host, Mimi Pickering. Thank you for listening to Making Connections News and WMMT.